Welcome to the Clarinet Pedagogue Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Andreas Bronson. Today's podcast is sponsored by Virtual Clarinet Camp. Visit virtualclarinetcamp.com to check out our amazing camps for middle school and high school students. Today's guest is Dr. Mary Alice Druin, Professor of Clarinet at Texas A&M University in Commerce, owner and founder of Mad Clarinet, founder and director of Clarinet Collegium, founder and director of Clarinets and Cookies, co-host of International Clarinet Association Clarinet Fest 2021 in Fort Worth, Texas. She is also a performing artist with Bakun Musical Services and pro team artist with Silverstein Works. Wow, what an introduction. <laughs> Mary, you are a busy person. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> So happy to be here. I do feel busy. I think a lot of us feel busy right now, for sure. Uh, but when you love what you do, you do what you love, you know. So I know that you're an enthusiast as well, and you're awfully busy. And I'm just really grateful that you invited me today. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, and I'm I'm excited to to get going with this podcast. Um, so when I when I put together this first podcast. Uh, I thought of nobody else but you to be my first person to interview because you have so many pedagogical resources uh, on your website, madclarinet.com. So I would love to hear you talk about these resources. Can you tell me about um, about how you put them together and, and who you created them for? Sure. Yeah, I just uh, have been teaching now for a really long time. And um, like many clarinet teachers out there, I have a lot of favorite resource materials, just fantastic books from clarinetists from all over the country and even the world uh, with great ideas and great music and great suggestions for teaching. Um, And also in my own teaching, I do a lot of creation and I work with my own students specifically with their issues in the moment. And I think great teachers are um, are always interested in being creative and following the need that's in the room at the moment. And I found myself the last, I've been at the university now for 18 years uh, in Texas. Wow. And I know it's- That's impressive. It doesn't seem like 18 years, but- <laughs> I find myself repeating a lot of the same types of information uh, that students are are in need of about basic clarinet fundamentals and approaches to understanding how to get better response from the instrument and get better response in their practice time. And I, I didn't have a resource that had my pedagogy in it. And so right, right a little egotistical. I don't know, but um, I just thought if I could just show these students what I mean in a book. So when they're in our practice room, they remember what it is that I'm telling them. It's going to be much better for their learning. But I actually created them in the process by thinking about it in, in more of a broad scope. If a student doesn't have a lesson teacher, how are they going to get that information? And how can I deliver it so that it makes sense to them, right. even though I 
not in the practice room and they haven't had the lesson. So I, I hope at least that that's what the, the books are able to accomplish for young students and, and even students that may find themselves needing to correct some bad habits. Yeah. So, so what age group would you say is most appropriate for your books that you have? I think it probably would depend on the book for sure. Um, but they're designed in a way that if a student has some basic information about the clarinet and they can make their first sounds on the clarinet, mm-hmm. that they can uh, read and find out more information about how to make things better. So, for example, I have a book about care and assembly for the instrument that a teacher could use with a very young beginner that talks about how to locate the top and bottom of the case and how to work the clasp of the case so you don't spill your instrument on the ground. I know that's every teacher's worst nightmare. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I've had that happen uh, with students. So uh, this is something uh, like some resources that lesson teachers could use uh, as an extension of their lessons or uh, band directors could use as well. Absolutely. And that particular book I know is being used in a couple of college woodwind method classes. It's a good supplement to resources that are not real clarinet specific. Right. Uh, I to include some information about bridge keys with really close up pictures so that when you say watch the bridge keys, they, they know exactly what they're looking for rather than it being somewhat abstract. So right. It's, it's probably great for any band director that's currently teaching that just wants a little more colorful visual on the screen so the kids can attach to that. Mm-hmm. That's um, wonderful that they're using those in um, woodwind uh, pedagogy classes and woodwind method classes at colleges. That's, that's, that's going to be a great resource because they're going to need those because they're going to be future band directors as well. So that's good. Um, great. So tell me about these. Um, I know on your website, you have these warm up packs. Um, tell me about um, a little bit more about these warm up packs and what's included in them. And uh, can can band directors use these with their online resources, online teaching? Okay, great. Yeah, I, I would love to talk about the warm up packs. Um, it's a little bit confusing because I don't think anything like this has been created before, which is one of the reasons that I spent some time creating them. And I'm hoping to get in there and do some more versions. Um, I just have the first three right now, but I put these warm up packs together specifically for my own teaching as a guest artist. Um, I find myself often in situations where I have a master class with an entire cluster of clarinets from different age groups and ability levels. And it's very difficult sometimes to engage all of the different minds in the room and keep them interested in what's going on and learning. Yeah. Um, And I specifically found this to be true when I do the Clarinets and Cookies Project, which is a clarinet choir holiday extravaganza, basically, where we get together and have a rehearsal and have a big break and visit and then come back and play Christmas or whatever holiday music together and have a reception afterwards. Right. Sixth grade beginners in the same room with my college students and professional members of, you know, uh, of area ensembles or community bands. Right. And I repertoire to use for warmups in these groups that could be approachable by a young sixth grader and also have some more interesting parts for older students. 
But I specifically wanted to include some pedagogical concepts in there specific to the clarinet that might be left out of instruction sometimes. So um, yeah. What are some, what are some topics that you cover in those? Well, you know, the things that, the things that students don't often get when they don't have a private lesson teacher. So for example, the role of the first finger into the A key, um, and it'll actually have a picture of, um, I have some keys in the front of the book about what the different symbols mean, but um, it'll have a little hook when they're supposed to play anything like a G sharp and they're not allowed to point their finger, for example. There are yeah. exercises in the warm-up pack that are register slurs and it talks about the formation of the embouchure uh, and why register slurs are important. And then another line in the warm-up pack might be a melody or a counter melody that's a little more challenging. But when all of the lines are played at the same time, it's basically like a little short clarinet choir piece. And by short, I mean short. It's probably, you know, ranges from 16 to 30 measures, each one that I've created. Um, and right, it'll have some fun. counting exercises and some articulation warm-ups where it talks about, you know, not moving your jaw and bouncing your tongue. So just lots of little tips. Um, including some bass clarinet parts with their low extension fingerings that they typically don't get to see elsewhere. So oh, I that's awesome. Super creative, but um, yeah, I need to make more of them and, and I hope that band directors will use them. Sure. Yeah. So you mentioned that when they're all played together, it's like a clarinet choir. So what if uh, a student uh, or, or a band director doesn't have the opportunity for that? Are there... Um, are there recordings of these that they like some play along tracks that they could play along with? Yeah. So I have a simple MP4 that comes with the purchase of the warm up packs. Um, so the student could, let's say a student just doesn't have a lot of outside opportunities, which right now in COVID is the case, right? Right. This feels isolated and doesn't have an ensemble to play with, but they can go through the warm up pack and play all eight lines or 12 lines or depending on which pack, how many lines there are. And each time they can play a different line and have the warm up track behind them. So they feel like they're part of a larger ensemble. It also can help them with listening skills and counting skills to try to play along with that track. Uh, awesome. And the directors can use that in the classroom to teach the students from, and it gives them tips on what what is good pedagogy when you talk about articulation on the clarinet? You don't have tips and guidance and rules in there. Um, and then as the kids become more solid, they can take the performance track and turn it off and have those students just play as an ensemble, which I mean, in my theory is a really, really great thing. <laughs> yeah, that's fun them myself and I've used them with my college students and they really appreciated them, but I have yet to sell any. So, I mean, <laughs> we'll see when they get out yes. there. Yes. Well, you, you just recently put all these out there and I think they're, they're fantastic resources and I hope that people take advantage of this. Uh, tell me also about your skill packs. You have, you have some skill packs also on your uh, website and mm -hmm. in those, about tone or hand position. Could you talk about either one of these topics and your approaches to these topics? Absolutely. The skill packs is why I started this project. Um, I 
I am a diagnostician when it comes to clarinet playing. And I love to kind of get in the nitty gritty and figure out why things aren't working and how to help a student to accomplish and achieve. And I teach by what I have in my pedagogy is called a fundamentals checklist. And it basically lists all of the basic competencies that I feel like a clarinetist should have in order to be successful as as a, as a young musician, as a growing musician. And so I started the skill packs, each one on the topic of one of my fundamentals. Um, and it got too long and I would start a second, a partner book, and then that got too long and I'd have a third partner book. So I have kind of divided them up by fundamental into different topics of that fundamental. So for example, I have a skill pack on tone tone development. And there are three parts or three uh, editions of the tone set. Um, one, for example, is just on embouchure. How do you form an embouchure? Um, how do you teach, self-teach or from a podium teach proper embouchure formation? How do you practice in building strength and endurance in your embouchure? What are some ac actual exercises? And I tried to include tons of pictures of different types of mouths with <laughs> with straws, with mouthpieces, mm -hmm. with bass clarinet mouthpieces, so that, you know, each student that you're addressing, maybe you can find some tips and some advice for. Or if a student's looking themselves in those packs, they can see a face that's a little more similar to their own. Um, right. I, I do love the pictures that you have in these in these packs. It's really nice visual uh, pictures to look at, to, to see different embouchures and to see exactly what you're talking about. And I, I think it's a, a, a great resource. Well, I appreciate that. And some of those are my children who don't play clarinet, which I find really entertaining. But, you know, sometimes it's easier to teach an embouchure to a student that has no bad habits. Right. Uh, yeah. And it's very difficult to change habit. And so that's something else that's discussed in the book, you know, how to practice uh, embouchure building and and just step by step things that you can do with a mirror and with a straw and with your mouthpiece. And um, but yeah, I have some pictures of some uh, younger students and also some of my college students and my own face is in there. <laughs> so yeah, I saw that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I hope that it's really helpful. And um, I feel like, you know, it's a little bit, I tried to, it's a very complex topic and I don't want the books to seem complex. So I try to keep a, just a one basic tidbit of information on each slide. It comes in PDF slides, basically, and um, simple facts and information and one big thing per page so that it's not too overwhelming. So if you wanted to use it like on an overhead projector in a classroom or say you're teaching through Zoom and you want to share screen with them, they don't get flooded with tons of words to have to read and pictures to comprehend. But it's a little less threatening if that's right. the word. Right. Yeah. Well, these days we're looking at looking for so many different resources that can help us with that online teaching and different ways to grab students' attention and keep them motivated and have them feel like they're learning something. Uh, and we really want to connect with them. And, and it's, it is difficult. Um, we're feeling more distant from our, from our students. So this is something that can, can be a, a nice aid to help them to get um, get the points and to uh, make it more interesting 
So that's awesome. Um, and then you have some, we talked a little bit about your, your approaches on the tone. What about hand position? You have several that are about hand position. Yeah, I'm super passionate about hand position and finger motion and also rules. <clears throat> and I know you and I had talked once before about kind of the lost pedagogy, right? right. We have great teachers in our history, in the clarinet, in the clarinet history. Um, and we have these great resources and this great pedagogy to fall back into. But sometimes the resources are lacking the text. So, for example, you get in your close mechanism exercises and and you know how to close your tone holes, but it doesn't tell you how to put your fingers on the instrument and how to hold an arch in your fingers and what to do if your pinky is locking. And then you go to your uh, practical studies in your close book and it has all the right exercises for learning your side keys, your sliver keys, your fork fingerings, your pinky left and your pinky right. Right. But it, have the text along the side that says you shall not flip flop right yeah, like, right right so, exactly I, yeah and I find myself teaching the same language over and over and sometimes when I say something to a student about a rule like keeping your pinky in your right hand in arpeggios when it when you have only one pinky note they're like I'm very I'm very passionate about that by the way well <laughs> learned that until graduate school. And I was quite offended. Someone should have told me. Right. But right. Yeah, I, I, I quite often get a student that says, where is that written down? Right. <laughs> I'm not, I, yeah. My answer is it doesn't matter. It's my rule. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's the, that's the thing. We learn these rules from our great mentors and our great teachers and you've had great teachers and I have had great teachers and, and I'm so thankful for it. But what about that kid yeah. who doesn't have that opportunity? They don't have the money to do that. Or maybe they just are living in a place where there are no clarinetists around. Um, and I want to, you know, a lot of those rules are so easy to teach. Mm -hmm. It's not really complex. So I wrote them down <laughs> and I went finger by finger through the instrument. What does this finger do? And when does it do it? And when does that rule change? And right. I, Hope it's helpful. I wrote a ton of little musical snippets to go with it. And it was an enormous amount of work. And I'm oh, so I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> it's, you know, it's really I take a lot of pride in that because um I just want to be helpful, you know, and I feel like my students need that, but maybe someone else really needs that even more because they won't have that connection with with a great teacher in a practice room or in a lesson. Um, and hopefully it's easy enough for a sixth grader to understand. I think a lot of it is built that way. Right. Yeah. Cause so you mentioned like the close say books and stuff like that. If you pick up those books and you, you don't know that you should use this finger here or this one there and, and how your hands should look, um, it, yeah, like you said, it doesn't say anything. So you can pick it up and you can play it and just wonder why you're struggling, struggling. So the point of, of all this stuff and the why, reason we have rules is to make it easier and make, make the music sound more beautiful. 
and um uh and just like i said make it make it easier so you're not having to like work so hard at making certain certain fingerings work well maybe there's a better option maybe it's your hand position so right. my my approach i always tell my students that um i have we have rules here's the rule number 1 here's rule number 2 and then we go through different rules about hand position and then i say okay now sometimes we break it so just like the english language we learn the rules and then we break the rules right so there are times where we have to know but you have to know how to navigate through through that, where we use these certain fingerings. However, here we have to break that rule. And um, so, but there's really, there are not enough resources out there addressing this issue. So if you don't have a, a lesson teacher or a band director that knows that, then they're really, really struggling when they, there's no need to struggle through, through certain technical passages. So that's... And I'm glad you mentioned band directors because one of the hardest things in the world I could imagine is being a band director and teaching multiple instruments. That is not my gift in life. Like I have one talent and that is it. <laughs> but I can't imagine a band director who is a trombonist, for example, and is, you know, they've passed woodwind methods and they've gone on to teaching and they really handle a lot of brass instruction. Then all of a sudden a student comes to them and says, I don't know what to do with my pinkies here. I completely understand if you don't understand pinky substitutions and slides and when to do which one, because right. it's complicated. It's complicated even for clarinet players. And so this resource, the one on hand motion, for example, actually uses color-coded fingerings. Yay. That says, this is a red right and this is a left green or whatever. And why we need to do that to avoid a pinky nightmare. <laughs> um, and, you know, people that I've shared those particular pages with, pinkies, for example, um, they are so grateful. And especially for the color coding, um, for anyone who doesn't know, Brett, Brett Pimentel Woodwinds. Um, has a great fingering builder on his website. And I tip that all the time because I'm using um, that fingering builder to use some really good resources for, for people. So go check that out and support his business because he that's an amazing tool. He's got a lot of amazing tools on his website, but that one is my favorite. Could you um, say that website again? Pimentel. I'm sorry, a, it, it cut you off at the beginning. So just say it one more time. Sure. His first name is Brett and his last name is Pimentel, uh, P-I-M-E-N-T-A-L, I believe. Um, but yeah, he has got a woodwind page that's really nice. Um, and that I think I think it's called the uh, fingering diagram builder or something like that. But that's a great resource. And he I'll has. Try, yeah, I'll try and include that in a, a comment um, somewhere with this podcast. So or if uh, anyone has any questions, you can also get that from me and I'll send that on. Yeah, I can send it to you. It's super easy to use. You just click on what hole you want closed and what color you wanted. And uh, he's got a little PayPal button on there. You can gift him, which I have found very helpful. So yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a great one. Anyway, but, yeah. we can help each other out, right? Yeah. And honestly, I had no idea how to build my own fingering diagram creator. And so when I found that, a friend of mine recommended it to me. I was so grateful. Um, so that's a really, a really good tool. Awesome. Um, I've also created some free resources for band directors. So one of, one of the ones that people have been really excited about 
is a new little pamphlet I put together. It's super short. It's called Throat Tones. <laughs> and it explains in the most simple terms what throat tones are, why we have to correct them, what it's called when we correct them, what that fixes. And here are some samples of how to do that. It is six slides. It's the shortest thing. But um, I've had many band directors message me after getting it and say, I never really understood this. Thank you so much. And, you know, I think sometimes we're too busy to ask the questions or even sometimes embarrassed to ask a question. And that's okay. But throat tones are complicated. Mm -hmm. I tried to make this the, the basic version. You can give this to a sixth grader or a seventh grader who's never heard of resonance fingerings, and they can get it. They, they will read that and go, oh, okay. And hopefully get some good pedagogy going really young on that particular skill because it's so important for clarinetists. And it's hard to teach if you just don't have the information. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been really wonderful. I have a feeling that I'm going to have to invite you again as a, as a guest on this podcast because there's so much to discuss. Um, yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be wonderful for us to do a follow-up. But thank you, Mary, for, for being here today. Um, and where can people contact you? How can they contact you? And where can they find all of these resources? So there's there's a few ways to find me. Um, my business that I created is called Mad Clarinet, M-A-D, Mad. That's my initials. I'm also a little crazy. Um, so, but the website is madclarinet.com. Super easy to find. Um, and there's contact information on there that you can send me communication that way. And I also have my personal website is drewinclarinet.com, which is a little harder to spell. We can put it in the, <laughs> on your I'll put I'll, I'll put it uh, in a, in a comment. Okay, great. And then of course I work through a university. So if you just search, Mary Druin and clarinet, you're going to find me pretty easily. So awesome. yeah, I'm happy any questions. And um, I just want to thank you for starting this new project and getting everything uh, started. It's yeah. going to be a great channel and I'm super happy to contribute and help you I in any way that I can. Thank you. I just realized that there's just a lot to talk about with clarinet pedagogy. So I thought, Let's just start right here at the heart of it all. So um, thank you again, and um, uh, we'll see you again at, on another podcast. All right. Sounds okay. great. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Clarinet Pedagogue Podcast, the podcast that is dedicated to discussing how teachers can improve the skills that will maximize their students' potential. This is your host, Dr. Karen Andreas Bronson, reminding you to take advantage of the teaching resources that are available at madclarinet.com. Also, visit our website for information about this episode and much more at karenbronson.com slash podcast.